so hello and welcome to the comedian's paradise this is a podcast where we speak to amazing tantalizing and fascinating people from across the globe that make comedians like you and me live this comedic journey on our own terms if you like this episode you like the podcast share it with your friends spread the joyous love uh, give us a five-star review on amazon or itunes and of course subscribe and join me on this tantalizing, scintillating and adventurous journey. Now today, we have a wondrous, fascinating guest. She's from America. I think she's based in, she's based in London now. And she is here to give us an introduction into the world of voiceover. I know you guys are thinking, yo man, what is this? Like what you're doing with someone who's from the world of voiceover? I thought it was gonna be interesting I want to gain a little insight because I think there are similarities between the worlds of comedy and voiceover. And I think with this absolutely wondrous guest who's been in the over a decade in the world of voiceovers, is going to give us useful insights comparing the two industries that are going to help us improve our comedy and, of course, achieve our dream of living this comedic journey on our own terms. She's absolutely wonderful. She's, she's, you're going to love her. Welcome, Diane Perry. Thank you very much. Thank you, Marvin. I just have to correct you, though. It's 23 years, actually, in the voiceover industry. So not not just a decade, but over two decades. Over two decades. See, over two decades. Don't don't take don't, don't take that those 13 years away from me. <laughs> yeah, see, guys, it's it's two for the price of one. <laughs> That's right. Drub, double the trouble. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, Diane, it's a pleasure to have you here. Was, Thanks for having me. It's a fantastic little backdrop here. You've got voiceover narration, VO yoga, and you've got a lovely picture of, is that a mermaid or? No, that's my, that's my logo. So that is the Statue of Liberty. Um, and she's holding uh, a bicycle horn. So this is, this is the cover of my book that's just been released. This is the art cover for the audiobook that will be released next month. And this is a, a monthly voiceover workout group. That I that I run called Vo Yoga. Oh, lovely! So yeah, that's terrific. So a, a jack of many trades, but all focusing on one niche. I suppose so. I mean, I do I do like to have every day be different, which is great. I'm definitely definitely achieved that. And uh, <clears throat> but everything is about everything is about sound. Everything is because I've always been fascinated with sound. So um, uh, and and also. Uh, deeper than that, sort of fascinated with the energies of communication. I think I mentioned to you before. So very interested in what goes on behind the words. What, you know, what is communication actually made out of? And that that can be applied to voiceover and to stand-up comedy. I did some stand-up comedy for a while. Nothing, nothing huge and not for very long because it made me want to just it made me want to start smoking and drinking because it was all very late night so i thought this is not good for me so i'll just i'll just leave this alone but sketch comedy musical theater theater um i was in an improv group for three years and so i'm just fascinated with communication just you know communicating with the voice in all in all guises which includes stand-up okay and what's it called yeah i mean it's and what do you mean by energies? Like, where does that come into play? Okay, so when you're communicating, 
let's say let's take voiceover for example so if you're communicating a script so if you're performing a script you could just read the words in a very dry way but that wouldn't have any effect on the listener but let me give you an example so if i was going to read something and i read i don't really have anything near me that i can read let's see i just want to i just want you to hear the difference so Okay, so I'm just reading something from the Buzz magazine, which is a voiceover magazine. Um, so, so this is how I would say it without a smile. So I'd say, as a pro voice user, if your body and voice are working in harmony, then you can do your job too with ease and your mind can get on with worrying about other things like what you're going to have for your dinner. Okay, so now if I change my energy and I actually, what I call smiling in your liver, actually I stole that from... Um, eat, pray, love. Uh, she goes to see this medicine man and he tells her smile in your, in your liver. So now I'm going to do it with a smile and altering the energy within. As a pro voice user, if your body and voice are working in harmony, then you can do your job too with ease. So can you hear the difference? So one is just, that's just me reading those words. It's very dry. There's nothing behind it. There's no oomph. There's no drive. There's no intention. But if you manage the energy within, then it comes out in a way that can actually connect with the listener. So did you feel more connected? Could you, was it easier for you to hear the second version than the first version? Yeah, the first one, I mean, the second one, it, it sounded like I was hearing an advert. So, yeah. Yeah, but it has more life to it. Yeah. So this is, the, this, is, this is the object of the exercise. Any kind of vocal performance, whether that's voiceover, in all the different subgenres, or whether that's stand-up comedy or sketch comedy or film or television, whatever you're doing performance-wise, um, and even artistically, like sculptors and dancers and painters, the object of the exercise is to connect with your audience. And so if you're not connecting, then what's the point? So if you're doing a, a stand-up gig, and I'm sure you've had this experience, we, we've all, every, anyone who's done stand-up has had this experience, where you just don't feel like you're connecting with the audience. It's like you might as well just be standing up there, you know, with a paper bag over your head. Have you had that experience where you're just not reaching them or they're just not responding to you? Yeah, and it, it, it's, it feels, yeah, you get into this moment that, well, it's one of the hardest things for, for all comics to do once they're not with you from the start and once they've then they've decided in a way that they don't like you i've not seen many instances where a comedian has completely changed it around but when it does happen it's like a thing of beauty where the commit where the audience hate them and then they're able to one way or another win them over but most of the time once they've not got you either through the connection and it's not there bloody hard to get it back it is it's really hard because what happens is that when you're on that stage and i've had this experience when you're on that stage and your intention is to entertain them and if you're not getting any what you need back then you almost shut down and so you are no longer connected to your intuition your instincts your sense of humor. It's just, it's just like you go into a mad panic, almost like an internal panic, everything shuts down and then you start to look desperate. And then, and then you sort of go into overdrive. You know, have you had this experience where he's like, I've lost your brain goes, I've lost them. I've lost them quick. Tell a joke. 
or you know say a swear word do something um and then but but your hope but by then you're just completely shut down and you've got no chance but if you can write it out and i've seen people turn it i know the, what you're talking about i've seen people turn it around but only when they start being truly honest with how it's going and and, and then then the audience can kind of be on your side again you know, if you're if you're like if you feel that you've that you've lost them, and you say something like, "Okay, right, well that that joke worked really well in the shower this morning. Not really going so well today. It might be all the cough medicine I had earlier. I'm just kind of spitballing here. But if you if you suddenly get really authentic and really honest about how you're feeling in that moment, then audiences can go, oh, right. Oh, okay. They're not trying so hard now. I can relate to them as a real person. Now I can kind of relax and, and let them entertain me. And so I think authenticity in voiceover, in, in stand-up, in, in any kind of performance, authenticity, just being who you truly are, can actually get your listeners on your side. But one thing I find interesting is even in character comedy, where you're in acting or when you're playing a completely different actor how do you achieve that even though you're playing a completely different individual to you how do you achieve what like the authenticity the connection authenticity. Oh, okay you're so, lying and playing someone else in a way okay well so I'm, I'm not quite sure what you're asking so you're saying how how do you stay authentic and and be a different character is that what you mean yeah how do you connect and yeah be authentic when you're obviously playing a different character. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. I mean, because I do a lot of um, character work and I've done um, lots of animation work um, as an actor. So, and I teach it as well. So it's, it's that you need to be connected to that character first. You need to actually embody that character and be who they are rather than pretending to sound like you think they sound. So it's not that you're being authentically you as you're playing a character, but you have to you have to play it realistically. Even though, like for example, SpongeBob SquarePants, I mean he's he's got a voice, you know, he sounds a little, little bit like that, you know, Bart Simpson, oh do you know, okay, dude. But if you have to you have to play an actual person who just happens to sound like that rather than chasing the sound of the character. Does that make sense? So, and I think the same could be true for stand-up. You have to, you have to actually operate from at least a tiny facet of your real self. Otherwise, the audience won't have anything to grab to grab hold of. Mm. Now, you think about okay, you you, you, might, you might be thinking, oh, hang on a minute. What about people like Lee Evans? You know, who has this whole persona? Okay, fair enough. He has that persona, but there's some little part of him that's like that. And that's why we can relate to his comedy. Yeah, I'm just using him as an example. So the audience has to find something real to relate to. Even if the performer has taken one tiny little slice of who they are and blown that up, you know, exaggerated that. That's a great way to create characters, actually. It's an exaggerated you. So you have to, you have to play from, from just from a little bit of, re of reality in order for the audience to respond it's quite one thing that i've heard of and have you heard of this as well the thing called the law of reverse effort have you heard of that or the backwards the law of reverse effort yeah it's it's 
it's a it's a it's a an idea where you know people chase these goals or they do these things for years and years and they don't get them and you see someone who doesn't do it and then they they get what they want that's not no. a good example Let me... no i'm not i've not heard of i've not heard of that specific um i've not heard it referred to as that but i do know about the law of attraction which is about energy and vibration and you actually bring to you what energy and vibration you put out but i that's a whole different podcast i think yes. so um yes but no there is something to be said for that the less effort but because i think the less effort you put into something and i don't mean that you don't care but i just mean don't hold on so tight so then your creative conduit is relaxed and open. Then you have access to all of your humor, to all of your everything. Whereas if you're tensed up, then your create then your creativity closes down. Yeah, I, I didn't at all explain that concept or idea at well, but I'm, the point I was getting at is one thing that I've noticed myself when I'm on stage is that when I try and write a joke or I put so much effort in or I really try and prepare something, it doesn't go well. But the time is a big moment for me was I did a Zoom gig and I didn't have much time to prepare a set. So I just wrote down topics. And then I wasn't trying to be funny. I was more focused on trying to survive because it was an awkward situation because I didn't prepare. Right. And I did a million times better in that situation than I did any time where I try and prepare it. And I just went with whatever was there. Yeah. Any sort of doubts or anything. And I wasn't trying to be funny. I was just trying to survive the situation. Yeah, interesting. It, that's really interesting because when you change your intention, then the whole the whole communication alters. And so your intention was not, I'm going to make you laugh, but I'm just going to get through this without making a fool of myself. You know, and it's interesting that that maybe made you relax because you weren't going for the laugh. And so, you know, we've all been at a dinner party where someone's told a joke and they have this really just like sticky energy, like they're so desperate for you to laugh at them. And it just makes you recoil. It just makes you want to run away. Um, whereas if you're just being yourself and you're telling a story that you think is really funny, then that translates and then people will respond to that. So it's really just all. So, I mean, it all just comes down to energy and focus. Where are you focused? One of the one of the examples I really like to use is about focus and, and mindset and everything in performance. And that is that a sculptor, if you imagine a sculptor who's who's molding a bust out of clay, they are not thinking to themselves, what are my thumbs doing? What are my fingers doing? They don't think of they don't think of it in those terms. They're just focused on expressing. And then so they're looking beyond the apparatus, which is their hands. And the voiceovers are the same. They should not be thinking about what is my voice doing? They should be thinking about expressing. And with stand-up, don't think about you know, how are my jokes doing? Was that funny? You know, so you got to get out of your head. And if once you get out of your head, then you can be yourself, then the laughter will come naturally because you'll be finding it funny. Whereas if you're tensed up, forget it. Hmm. But that, that's, that's one of the things that I wanted to sort of chat about because I focused on something else rather than the actual outcome. And I ended up getting 
some of the outcomes rather than when if I just focus on the outcome. Exactly. Exactly that. And that's what I teach in voiceover. Do not focus on what the voice should sound like at the end. Focus on who you are, who you're talking to, what your intention is, and a few other parameters. And then that end product will take care of itself. So translating that into stand-up, what you just said beautifully, don't focus on the outcome. Don't focus on the laugh. Focus on just the joy of telling that story, the joy of telling that joke, the joy of doing that physical bit whatever it is if because because if you're having fun on stage as a stand-up then the audience is free to have fun but if you're standing up there all tense going i hope they laugh i hope they laugh that's a really icky horrible stinky energy and people will just look away and they'll start squirming in their seats and it'll be really super uncomfortable so it's just so this is what i talk about connection if you as a performer are connected to what you're saying and doing and you're feeling your way through rather than thinking your way through then the audience can join you in that joy and and, and laugh with you or at you whatever you want them to do but you've got to be in that right space otherwise it's just going to be awkward and horrible and following on a point that we discussed before we start the podcast, I said that one of the things that comedians do is when they have something that as well, and then they keep performing again and again, and the delivery is completely different and they fail and it doesn't become fun. You said to me that you've got to focus on getting the parameters right. Would you be able to divulge a bit more into that? Yeah, of course. I mean, when I say parameters, you could also substitute the word foundations. So let's just take voiceover, for example. I don't want to get too far into voiceover because I don't want your audience to switch off. Um, but in voiceover, if you set foundations, and that is who you are as the speaker. So, you know, are you a member of the company or are you speaking as an outside authority, things like that? Who are you as the as the voiceover? Who are you talking to? Who is your audience? So all these things can be translated into stand-up. Who's your audience? And what's your intention? Now, obviously, as a, as a stand-up, your intention is to make the audience laugh. But that's, that's really general. You know, of course you want to make the audience laugh, but you need to, you need to set yourself up so that the laughter is almost incidental. So the laughter is just kind of a byproduct of what, what everything else that's happening on stage. So if you set yourself up as a stand-up, and you say, okay, my intention, of course, my intention is to make people laugh. But, but below that, underneath that intention, could be my intention is to make myself laugh. My intention is to give myself that tickle in my solar plexus that, that makes me feel like, you know, I'm enjoying myself. Or my intention is to connect with the audience or, you know, whatever, whatever your intention is. But if you've set those parameters, those foundations, then now... I know stand-up stand comedy is a little bit different, but it's certainly in voiceover. If you set those parameters, those foundations, then the voiceover read pretty much takes care of itself. And I'm going to just go out on a limb here. I've not thought too much about this, but I think in stand-up, you could probably do the same type of thing where you could get your mindset right, get your focus right, um, and then, then your material will just come out the way that it's meant to it, your material will just come out the right way if you're relaxed about it and confident and don't think too much 
Exactly. The analytical mind, I talk a lot about this in my voiceover teaching, is that the analytical mind can really be your enemy because it's, so, you know, you have you have the um, the inner critic, which is constantly telling you that what you're trying to create is no good. You have mental clutter. Um, you have your analytical brain telling you, say it this way, pause here, do an inflection here. And that just gets in your way. But if you can get rid of that, I don't, I don't mean like have a lobotomy, but if you can, if you can, you know, quiet that, that analytical part of your brain and swoop over to the right side of the brain, which is where your creativity is. And that's where you're connected to intuition and instincts and your, you know, your, your sense of humor, all that sort of in right in your right brain. So, and really good bridges for that. There's three really good bridges for that. And I think you could apply this to stand up comedy too. <clears throat> Excuse me. So three really great bridges for that. One is emotion. So tap into the emotion of what you're saying. Um, another one is visualization. So if you're visualizing what you're talking about or you're visualizing something, that's in your right brain. And what is the third one? So emotion, visualizing. Oh, and um, uh, body movement. So if you get if you get the energy going in the body, that takes it away from the analytical mind. And so if you start to flounder on stage, you could just sort of, you know, you could do a physical comedy something or just remind your body that it's in the game. So it's really just about balancing your mind, body and voice. That's how I teach voiceover. And I think you could apply that to stand up as well. It's everything in balance. And yet you have an outcome, but try and focus on things that you think will help you achieve the outcome in terms of your mindset focus on something else exactly focus on something that you can control because if you're on stage doing stand-up i mean there's nothing more more um, anxiety producing or nothing that makes you feel as vulnerable as that um it's an incredible experience and when it when it works when the audience is with you it's so delicious but when they're against you it's just like i mean it's it's you know standing naked in the town square time you know it's like the stuff that nightmares are made out of you know when it's not working so you know you just you just got to have fun yourself and and hope that that hope that the audience connects with that and can I ask you a question? Of course. Uh, that's why I'm here, to answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that always sounds, that's very British of me, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you mind? Do you mind terribly? I know this is a podcast, but do you mind if I ask you a question? <laughs> Please be my guest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, if, 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 um, if you're in a place and you've got something like, yo, yo, Diane, yeah, like, you got a do this voiceover right now you got to do it do it do it how do you sort of when you're in those sort of situations how do you regain your focus and like deal with, with an individual like that okay well I, I don't think i've actually worked with anyone who sounded quite like that or approached me <laughs> approached me quite like that yo yo you gotta do a voiceover right now okay all right um so i'm not sure i know what you're asking how maybe maybe i could translate that question into how do you handle nervous energy how, how, how do you handle yeah. stress is that what you're asking yeah how do you deal with the difficult circumstances where you're finding people challenging to work with and the challenging situation that's what i was looking at. yeah no good question uh, and i have had those situations and i wrote about one of those in the book where i'll tell you the story actually now so this guy 
uh, I was working online and I couldn't see him. I think we were working on, there's several different ways that you can work remotely from your studio to someone else's. And one of those is called clean feed. I think we were working on clean feed. And so um, I, I had done my prep. So he'd sent me the script. I'd done my prep. And then we started the session and I thought it was, I thought it was going really well. And he just wasn't having it. Um, and so I encouraged him to kind of talk to me in terms that I could understand, like translate it into narrator speak for me. So what's the emotion, you know, who, wh who's your audience, things like that. He just wasn't having any of it um, and just hated what I was doing. Absolutely hated what I was doing. And he was really rude about it. And it was very difficult. And so I thought, okay. So he can't see me, right? So I'm 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 rolling my eyes and ah, doing things like you know like growling and making claw thing just to kind of release some of this energy. This is like you know to kind of like get myself back in the zone. And so I thought, okay. So the way I think of it in, in those situations is that rather than my lovely oil painting that I have prepared for and I've set my foundations and I think I'm all ready. And I think of that as, you know, my performance oil painting. And so I thought, okay, in order to get through this, I'm gonna have to switch over to paint by numbers. So I'm gonna have to, you know, forget about my prep for that performance and just see if I can tap into what he wants and do that mechanically. Now that's not the best way for me to perform. It doesn't feel great as an artist, but I'm being paid for this job. I need to get him what he wants in one way or another. So deep breath, try not to, you know, bash out a horrible email to him. How dare you speak to me that way, you know? So I just have to be as calm as I can and just get the job done. You know, and then just, you know, making faces, you know, just like trying to trying to cope with it. So it's not an easy situation. But luckily, most clients are lovely people and they would they would never talk to you like that. Um, but every once in a while you find one and, and, I, and you never find out really why are they why are they talking to me like this? So I'm sure you've had that in stand up as well, where you've had you got someone who booked you for a gig or someone who owns the club that you go to who just, you know, treats you like you're a doormat. And so how do you. How do you tap into your sense of humor and your sense of fun when you've just been verbally abused? You know, how do you how do you deal with that? Well, I mean, if I know the it depends on the situation and the context of the situation and the way it's done. Or the I mean, sometimes people have a bad day and like yeah, it depends on the on the situation. So I mean, no one's perfect at the end of the day. So there's no point getting too upset or annoyed about it. But it's the way people do things that determines the action that's done. If I feel that the person is a bit of a narcissistic or they're a bit of a bully, I think at the end of the day, it's just don't waste time with them and just just be polite, I think, but avoid yeah. it and don't yeah. do anything else. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you know, uh, creative people, we're a bit like baby deer, you know, you have to, we have to be approached gently, you know, you know, we have to, we have to keep our, keep our creative juices flowing. And if someone has a go at us or berates us in any way, it's sort of, we can kind of shut down. And that can be really difficult to, you know, step on stage and, and give a good, have a good gig. Um, if you're thinking in the back of your mind about, about that person. So, you know anyway so i think we're so i've sort of got us off track a little bit but uh yes 
Yeah. I think I started that with the yo, yo, yo. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's your fault, Marvin. Yeah, with, with your with your yo, yo, yo. Do a voiceover right now. <laughs> How did you manage? What? what so you, you've been involved in a lot of different performing arts field. Yeah. But what, what led you to a career of um, voiceover? Okay, so um, I didn't fall into it. I have always wanted to do cartoon voices, always, since I was a child. And I spent a lot of my childhood in my bedroom with a cheap little reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder practicing my animal noises and sound effects. And then, uh, as, as what happens with childhood dreams, we sort of forget about them. And I sort of danced around it. So I did everything around, everything except for cartoon voices. So, you know, straight plays and musical theater and singing and sketch comedy and improvisational comedy and stand up later on. And so it, I, I think I reached the age of about 34 and I suddenly, I suddenly thought, hang on a minute, that's what I always wanted to do. That's my dream over there. So I just kind of like danced around it. And so um, I just set about telling everyone I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I want to be in a cartoon. That's what I want to do. And then one thing led to another. And I started doing radio commercials regularly, which I knew wasn't, wasn't actually my dream, but I knew it was in the same arena. So I started doing that. And then that eventually led to opportunities to do um, cartoons, to do voiceover in cartoons, which I love. Then I fell in love with narration. Then I started, like I said, sort of um, with my own voiceover work, started to develop an awareness and realize what was going on behind the reads and how I could make them better. Then I started teaching and doing that. So, yeah, so all of my experiences have kind of led me to this day. Um, and like I said, I've just I've just released a book um, that's just come out in on the 1st of July. And I never really intended to write a book, but it just was like the voiceover God said, write a book. And I said, no, I'm scared. They said, write it anyway. I said, okay. So I spent the last two years uh, researching and uh, writing the book. So that's where we are today. That's how you got it. That's how and, I got here. Yeah. And what, so with all the performing arts you did, what would you, how would you, what have they given you in terms of your voiceover? Because you mentioned already like stand-up, you did a bit of stand-up, you did a bit of other things. Yeah. But in what way have they prepared you for voiceover? Mm, good question. There's a really long answer to that question, which we probably don't have time for. But I think at its core, it just helped me realize that connection is what it's all about no matter what performance you're doing, whether you're singing to people, whether you're making them laugh, whether you're doing sketches, whether you're in the film or television, it's all about connecting to the audience and actually connecting with whatever character you're doing or whatever you're doing, connecting in yourself, balancing your mind, body and voice. Uh, it's all the same. It's all the same. It's all connection and communication at the end of the day. What, so I like I, there's an acronym that I came up with while I was writing the book, and I love it. It's anything that we can ask of our audience will fall into four, like one or more of four categories, and it spells out leaf. So we either want them, this is mostly for voiceover, <clears throat> but I think you could apply it to stand-up as well. And so we want our audience to one of these, one or more of these four, learn, experience, 
act, or feel. That's it. So for stand-up, of course, we want our audience to feel joy, laughter, fun. That's what we're after. Um, we maybe want them to learn something, depends on what kind of stand-up you are. Um, you want them to experience something. You want them to experience a, night, a good night out, a good laugh. Um, you you don't probably don't want them to act. Um, some some voiceover uh, projects, of course, you want the listener to act. You want them to click that button or find out more or rent this or buy this. Um, in stand-up, you probably don't want them to act, apart from clapping. So maybe you do want them to act. Hmm. Yeah. So I just I love that acronym because that's all we, that's all we ever want from any kind of audience is learn, experience, act, or feel. And so if you can decide which one you want from the audience and set yourself that intention, then that could help you in your in your performance. Okay. And so what was the what was the what did you do when you took your first step into voice over work or your dream? What did I do? What do you mean? What was the first moment where you, what, what was the action you took? Like, did you go to a course? Did you? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. What did I do? Well, I didn't really have any, any precise training, which of course I tell my students now, of course you must have training. Um, but I had been doing so many other disciplines in the performing arts that of course I had stuff to learn, absolutely. I'm not saying I knew it all, but I learned by doing. So I was really lucky to fall into a situation where I could work as a temp, a secretarial temp uh, during the day. And then on my lunch hour would go to a studio in Holborn in London and do radio commercials on my lunch hour. Um, and so that's kind of how I started. And then I got to a point where I earned more in that hour than I did for the whole rest of the day as a secretary. And I thought, yeah, maybe it's time to, you know, make that jump. And of course, I'm making it sound much smoother than it was. Of course, it's not, it's never that smooth. Um, but that's basically what happened. And then, and then I just, you know, I got some, some other opportunities from there. But as to your question, what did I, what did I do? I didn't really... I just decided I wanted to do it. And I, I, I talked to a lot of people and I did a lot of research. I suppose that would be what I did first and just found out how were people doing what I wanted to do. So, and I think that's a really good, that's really good advice. Whatever you want to do performance wise, talk to people who are already doing what you want to do and say, how do you do that? How do you do what you do? You know, that's, that's a really good first step. And that's a bit like a, entrepreneurial in a way like do, like taking action and like but one thing i read in the in the article on voiceover they say it's quite a lot like being a solo entrepreneur is that correct oh absolutely you have to be everything you have to be your own bookkeeper marketer um cold caller um you have to chase people when they don't pay you which feels really horrible because you want to work for them again but yet if they haven't paid you on time you have to call them and go look you know i need the money now so yeah of course it's it's you're running your own business absolutely you got to pay all the bills um you know you have to buy the equipment you have to keep that keep the equipment updated and you have to make sure that your sound is good your equipment is good so yes of course it's 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 it is running a business absolutely and what what advice would if my name was 
Billy Job Fissel and I wanted to start a voiceover, what advice would you give him? Okay. Well, first of all, my first advice would be change your name, man, because that's that's no good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure what you said. Billy Job Fizzle? What did you say? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so that would be my first advice. But no, uh, the first, okay, the first step is always going to be um, get training. Just get training. Find out what's involved. Find out if you're suited to it. Um, you know, some people come to me, I mean, I do a lot of like free consults and some people, not very many these days, but some people go, oh, well, I've been told I have a really nice voice and uh, you make a lot of money. And I just go, okay, forget it. Just forget it. Because if you're in it for the money, it's just, it's not going to work for you. Um, so you have, you, it's just like any kind of acting, you have to get into it for the love of it. You know, so when I, when I have a consult and, and I say, what do you like about voiceover? And they just go, oh my gosh, I just, I eat, sleep and, and I just, I love animation so much. I desperately want to do it. Then I think, okay, great. I can work with you because you're coming at it from the right place. You love the work, you know? And so any kind of performance, you have to love the work. You wouldn't be doing stand up if you didn't love it. Would you? You wouldn't. Mm -hmm. You'd go and get a job at a wood, woodworking shop or something. So yeah, so that's first thing. Get some training, and the next big, the next big stepping stone, of course, is to get the tools. So once you have the training, then you have to have the tools, and that is a good demo reel, and and you have to have a different demo reel for for the different genres that you want to work in. So if someone comes to me and they say, I really want to do animation, I say, have you ever done any voiceover before? And they go, no. I say, okay, here's the bad news. So in order to get opportunities in animation, you have to have a voiceover agent. In order to get a voiceover agent, you really need to be able to do narration and commercials because that's their bread and butter. And the animation opportunities don't come along all that often. So really just find out how to do narration. I'd say narration even more than commercials. Just find out if you can actually do it. Um, and if you can kind of then get more training and more practice until you can do it really well, then get a demo done. And then, you know, then the rest of it, the home studio, the marketing, the everything else you want to do after that. But, you know, it all starts with training. And even before that research, you know, just research it, whatever you wanting, whatever you're wanting to work on. And now we're so lucky because you just go on YouTube and you say behind the scenes of Frozen or behind the scenes of whatever animation you want to name. And you can actually watch those actors doing doing that job. And you can be honest with yourself and go, can I actually see myself doing that? And if it really excites you, yes, okay, great. Then take the next step, get some training. If you think, oh man, that's so much harder than I ever thought it was. And it's obviously not just silly voices, it's creating characters and acting and all of that. Eh, maybe not, maybe I'll do something else that I find fun, you know? So research, just research, watch people do what you want to do and see, see if it lights you up. So a lot of people come to me and they go, okay, you tell me what my voice is good for. I go, no, 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 no. Wrong first question. The right first question is what lights you up? What, what brings you joy? You know, then, then, then answer that question, then figure out what projects your voice is good for. Hmm. Yeah. So that's my advice. And that's very much like the, the why first before anything. Exactly. Always the why. You're very wise, Marvin. Are you, you have a, of me? 
No, I'm not. No, no, no. Oh gosh, no, no, never. No, no, seriously. Oh, oh, oh God. Sorry. Okay. So no, you're making fun of me. I see. Okay. <laughs> Hang on a minute. What's going on here? Um, no, no. You do. You've said some very wise things, and so yeah. So you get it. You get it. Um, and one of the things that I want to look at, and I think this is something that can be applied in all sort of disciplines, because I noticed. Like I see comedians, they do this sometimes, some actors, they do this, they start touching their toes. You think they're doing some sort of aerobic workout at times. And they... Is this pre-performance? Yeah, musicians, you see a lot of that as well. And it's yeah. funny. And with Rafael Nadal, do you like Rafael Nadal? Of course I do. I really missed him this year at Wimbledon. He wasn't there. Oh, I mean, I love his work ethic, but it does seem that Djokovic is the man at the moment. I don't know how he's just incredible. He is, yeah, unstoppable. But I hope Nadal beats him and Murray. <laughs> so, are you talking about pre, like pre-performance warm-ups? Yeah, I mean every, every, I mean Nadal had some very unique things to get them warmed up. But what would you, what have been two questions here? What have been some weird things you've noticed with other people when they've been warming up or before performance? And what do you try and do without giving well, too much yeah, no, I mean, I can't really answer the first one because I'm not I'm not usually there when other performers are warming up. So I can kind of tell you what I've heard people do, but I can tell you what I do. Um, and it's not it's not as good a physical warm up as I would coach my students to do. So I'm a little bit of a hypocrite there. So um, I, I try to do some stretching, try to get my um, I hold a lot of tension in my shoulders and my neck. So I try to get that all kind of loosened up and I might, you know, wave my arms around a little. See, I just had a shoulder pop there. That was good. Um, one thing I absolutely do before every voiceover performance, and I don't know, is is this gonna is this just audio only? The podcast? It's not gonna be visual. Most so I just... of it is audio, but I okay. will take a one minute segment as a video bit to promote. Oh, okay. It. All right. So I wasn't I wasn't sure if people could actually see what I'm gonna do, but so I'll just so I'll describe it as well. So I warm up my face. I warm up all my facial muscles. So I might mouth the word wow, wow. You can try it with me, actually, Marvin. So you can wow. look so you can look silly as well. So wow, wow. wow. Yeah, yeah, and wow. see how my eyebrows are moving as well. My eyebrows, my eyes are opening, everything's opening. Wow. Wow, wow wow and so wow. then so that gets that gets the facial muscles going and then i'll fill each cheek with air so to stretch out the face and then also the space between the teeth and the lips so fill that with air so everything is really nice and loose and then i might do some uh some consonant sounds like or ba 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 and ka 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 and la 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 you know but what i do um that a lot of people don't do and to warm up and that is i sing so i sing along with some favorite songs i harmonize and just get my just get my voice going and that that can be a really good way to warm up as well so just do a little bit of singing okay so you so that's what i do you do a bit of Tupac and say California love? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> yes, I'm much older than I think you think I am. So I'm like really not, you know, I'm, I don't even want to even pretend like I'm down with the kids, you know, because I'm, I'm old. I'm old. I don't know how old you are, but I'm much older than you. So, you know, I'm just I'm much more just calm now. I used to be a crazy child. Um, crazy teenager, crazy in my 20s, crazy in my 30s, uh, not so much in my 40s and not in my 50s. So I'm just more mellow now, Marvin. Do you, do you, so you sing Frank Sinatra 
No, I don't sing Frank Sinatra. No, but I really like sort of like country music and not all country music, but um, uh, yeah, I just, I like, um, I like mellow stuff, mellow stuff with a melody, you know, something with a melody that I can sing along to. Oh, I I don't, you know what, it's a genre that I know not, I don't know much about, but from some of the songs that I've listened to, it's it's got a great feel for it. It's great for like getting a good energy. I've been, I tried to get some songs from the comedy club to get people in the right mood beforehand. And I found like funk music and like a bit of country seemed to be quite good in getting people. Oh, really? Oh yeah. I think think country music, as long as it's not the twangy stuff, like I dream on Tennessee, you know, I don't like all that kind of like twangy stuff. Um, But I like that. My, My favorite is Home Free. Um, they're an acapella country group and I just there's lots of harmonies you can pick out and sing along with and you know um, it just it just uplifts me I think it's really nice yeah that's and that's and what what are stories that you've heard on on top of that so you have your technique and you're like oh my god did that person do this what 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 are things you heard about what what like some unique pre-performance methods that make you go, oh, that's that's unique. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's all very. I think people just do variations on a theme. You know, they make sure that their body is warmed up, make sure their voice is warmed up. Um, a lot of people they might do like lip trills or <laughs> kind of sirening up and down. Everybody does something different. Really, I think it's really they just you just have to listen to your body and just and know your own instrument um and just go with that and just make sure that everything is warmed up i mean i talk so much and so loud and so fast that i'm my voice is usually warmed up anyway (laughs) um so yeah so i just i i just i just go with it how how what follow what the body needs Now I've got a question to follow on from that. No, I, again, yeah. I'm doing that again. <laughs> but one of the things I'd like to ask is how are acting and voice acting different and how are they the same? Well, there is no difference. Voice acting is acting. So this is what people think. They think that once they're behind a microphone and their body's not going to be seen, that it's all just happening from the neck up. It's not. If you're in an if you ever go to an animation session and you watch us working, it's it's the same thing that you'd be doing if you were on stage or in a film. Everything's in the body. Of course, the the movements may not be exactly the same, but the body is involved. <clears throat> so this is a really important thing to remember that um, just because you're in front of the microphone, you cannot omit body involvement. Just because the voice is the only thing to ultimately be captured. So, you know, you've got to just, even if you're running, I mean, you have to be really careful about not bumping the microphone um, and you can't, you know, you can't move your head too much away from the microphone. But if you're, if you're doing a scene and you're running, you kind of run in place and you get, you get your whole body involved in that and right. Okay. So now, so now I'm in a scene where I'm running, right. Okay. And so, and if you have to shout, then you come off of the microphone. So it's all just, all just acting. Of course, there's microphone technique that you have to, you have to understand, but, but the acting part of it is all there. So in that regard, there is no difference. Okay. Well, but the only thing is, is your butt. You you don't have to work. You don't work with as many 
people when you're doing voice acting like you're not you're in a different sort of, it's the setup that's different effectively but the same sort of job um not always it just depends on the project so i don't know if you've ever heard of um a series a ca cartoon series called dork hunters from outer space um so sorry marvin i have to cough hang on so um for dork hunters from outer space we were all in a big studio all together and that was great because we could all kind of bounce off each other some projects you do one at a time a lot of um your pixars and your disney's which i've, I've not worked for them yet um, but a lot of those are just you in a voiceover booth with the director and maybe with a script person as well um it just depends on the project so um, it's a, you're using different acting muscles if you're all in the same room together than you are if you're just on your own because you have to you have to act with a person that's not there so you have to read that line and actually kind of imagine what that would sound like from them and then you can respond accordingly so it's a, it's a whole different set of skills and then of course there's dubbing so that's a whole, that's a whole different ball game as well so if you're dubbing a cartoon do you know 64 zoo lane by any chance so that was um uh, you're probably too young. Um, so yeah, so I did the dubbing for that. So that was originally done in the UK. And then I did the American version. So that went over to the States. Um, and that's a, that's a different skill as well, because you're actually dubbing what someone else has already done. So this is using your different, diff different acting muscles. Yeah. Within the same sort of niche in a way. But yeah, yeah, in a way. I'm really sorry, Marvin, but I'm going to have to go soon. Have you got? Have you got another another question? Uh, I got. Oh, I got. Well, there was a couple more questions. I got. I need. Okay, I want... I'm I'm good for about ten more minutes, if that's all right with you. Okay, so the main thing that I'd like to ask you about is, like, tell us about the different projects that you have. You would have. You tend to work on as a voice actor okay about the travel at the setups and how you adjust to them okay um so first thing i'll sort of tell you a few of the of the kinds of projects that i work on so i do animation when those come along but that's that's not all that often for me these these days to be honest um the last one i did was actually thunderbirds argo do you watch that i've i've, I've seen bits of it okay so i did an episode of that but that's been Gosh, has that been, well, certainly before lockdown, probably two or three years ago now. Gosh, time goes fast. So, yeah, so uh, animation projects when they come along. Um, there's something online called uh, Once Upon a Time in Zombieville. So I've been working, I was working on that. I'm doing a lot of audio description at the moment, which is for, do you know about audio description? Is it like um, Kindles? No, um, it's... Um, uh, it's a service for the visually impaired. So for a film or a television show, uh, the audio describer describes action that would otherwise be missed by a visually impaired viewer. So if you went on to Netflix, do you have Netflix? Okay. Uh, I canceled it briefly. Oh, right, okay. So if you went on to Netflix, for example, and you, you found a show, like I did, um, Glitch, series three of Glitch, and I've done lots of things on Netflix. I'm working on one now. Um, but if you turn on audio, just on the audio description, then you'd hear the audio describer just saying, okay, now it's daytime, now it's nighttime. Um, this person walks in with a look, with this kind of look on their face. So things that would be missed by a visually impaired viewer. So I'm doing an awful lot of that at the moment. Um, a lot of teaching, a lot of coaching, um, just finished a voice acting for animation uh, course, six week course. 
starting a narration one in the near future. Um, just finished the book, obviously, just did the audiobook version of that, which took me forever because I'm a perfectionist. I was like, oh no, there's a tiny mouth noise there. Oh, there's, there's, you know. So, um, so that's keeping me really busy. And I'm, I've, um, I've got a, another idea for a, an idea for another book that's percolating as well. So yeah, keeping, keeping myself really busy. So the other part of your question was travel, something about travel. It's let, let's, let's change it to the two bits that I want to ask you about. I like what are the, you mentioned a bit already about some of the don't do's when getting to voiceover work, but what would you say are the common things you see when getting in voiceover work? from people and what would you say are the things not to do in voiceover work oh, okay so what some of the, the so some do? of the pitfalls some of the things some of like the hat like bad habits that i see that need yeah and yeah. also at the end of course tell us about your work and how people can find out about you yes okay so let's see some of the common pitfalls um it's very it's very interesting because i started to notice that the way that people would read a script told me stuff about their personality and about what they were feeling in that moment. It's kind of weird, but it happened so often that I really started paying attention to it. For example, if someone is reading some copy, reading a script, and they're going super fast, and, that, um, and also they're losing energy at the end of phrases and sentences, I may ask them, do you tend to be impatient in your life? And most of the time they look at me like, we just met, how could you possibly know that? And my answer is always the same. It's in your read because we can't separate who we are from how we communicate. And so if someone's feeling impatient or nervous, they're gonna read fast. This was always my issue when I first started. Um, so that's, that's a really common one, people reading too fast. Um, people sort of glossing over words. That's, a, that's another really common one. Um, breathing too much or being aware of your breath or breathing too loud like when you take a breath kind of doing that which is going to be picked up by the microphone just basic microphone techniques you know um so the others there's lots of things like that lots of lots of common mistakes that people are making and one of the ones that i found so often which is probably why i started teaching the way i teach and that is just people weren't thinking about it right their minds weren't in the right place they were they were really worried about how they sounded and they were trying to manage how they sounded while they were performing so while they were reading a script in their minds they were like oh i should really go up i should really go up an inflection on that word or oh, maybe i should take a pause now or oh, how am i sounding and just like all this stuff was going on in their brain and i thought okay this is this is what this is what i meant to teach actually because i worked it out for myself in my own work and then started sharing with other people so that's a really that's a really really common one that's probably the most common one is just not necessarily lack of focus but you just focused on the wrong thing so i just really help people get their mind right get their brain right um, and then they can just narrate unencumbered you know it goes back to that sculptor that sculptor is not forming a bust out of clay and thinking to themselves what are my thumbs doing what are my fingers doing you know and voice actors shouldn't be thinking about their voice and stand-up comedians should not be thinking about whether they're getting laughs or not that's like that's like the beginning of the end as soon as you start turning your attention inward and wondering how am i doing right now am i dying am i am i am i doing good what's happening then 
you know, you're not really communicating with the audience. So um, how people can find me, I mean, I do voiceover coaching, I do a free 15 minute Zoom consultation um, with no obligation to book a session. I've got, I, I speak to a lot of people, some people book a session, some people don't, it's fine. Um, but just Diane, dianeperry.com, that's my website, so people can get in touch with me via my website if they want to talk to me about voiceover. Um, and that, that's it, really. And what about your book? And of course, um, you got some of the various things that you do. Okay. Um, well, so like I said a couple of times, I've just finished a book. And then I don't even know if I gave the name of the book, but it's called Voiceover Narration, Creating Performances from the Inside Out. Um, and there's a lotus flower on the front, very, very deliberately to show people that it, there's a little bit of mindfulness involved in this. Because voiceover, like any kind of performance, if you do it right, can almost be a meditative experience. So you might have had this experience when you're on stage, when you just really drop into that sweet spot, that pocket, where there's this really delicious exchange of energy between you and the audience. And it's like, oh man, it's like you just have them. They're just with you. They're just hanging on every word and laughing at everything in the right places. And that's, that's such a delicious feeling. And so, um, yeah, it's just all about getting into that zone with your voiceover so that you can have a greater impact on the listener. That's that's it. You can, you can connect with them better. That's That's our goal. So, so that's just come out. The, um, uh, the audio book will be available next month. So obviously people, people joke, they go, oh, right. You've written a book about voiceover. Who are you going to get to do the narration? I go, I don't know. Do you know anyone? So of course I've narrated that. But, the, but what was interesting though, Marvin, is that the pressure about that, because if you think about it, I'm a narrator narrating a book about narration. So the pressure to to show good practice to display how it's done was almost crushing at times and i had to really just like take a step back and go okay i've just got to do the best i can and not you know not succumb to this crushing pressure of i've got to do it right it's got to be perfect because i've got to show people how it's done and so yeah it was that was a really interesting kind of circular ride a narrator narrating a book about narration yeah no pressure <laughs> so it did take a really long time but uh, i'm really happy with it so that comes out next month and then um yeah just a lot of audio description work going i think i've got three different projects going one series of six which i can't talk about another series of 20 which is coming in in a couple of weeks and then another feature film which i can't talk about um so um yes very busy times ahead and then in august I'm taking four days off with my husband and we're going to the Isle of Wight and we're going to just sit and look at the ocean and eat loads and listen to music and just chill because it's been, my husband is a singing teacher. And so the two of us pretty much running a voice school here because he's next door in his studio teaching people how to sing for musical theater. I'm over here teaching people how to do voiceover. And so we pass in the hallway. Hi, hi, how's it going? Fine, fine. You know, so yeah, for the last 15 months, it's kind of been a voice school here, which has been great. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, two for the price of one. So if if I if I go if I do a voice lesson with you, will I get a discount for the musical stuff? <laughs> Absolutely not. That's not how it works. No. <laughs> Did you like how I actually like thought about that for a second before I said no? <laughs> yes, As I questioned, no, no, you won't. <laughs> anyway, Marvin, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you. Uh, I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you. 
Well, guys, back home, make sure you subscribe, uh, share with your friends, and of course, give us a five star view on Amazon or iTunes. See you guys at the next episode. <laughs> Thank you.